This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. I'm your host, Laura Alexander-Wittig, CEO and founder of Brightly, the number one destination for conscious consumers around the world. At Good Together, we value the planet over perfection and believe that you can make positive things happen for the planet every day by being a conscious consumer and an informed citizen. Listen in as I chat with various experts about living and consuming responsibly. living should be easy, but oftentimes it doesn't quite feel like that. Brightly believes that small, planet-focused lifestyle swaps can help us all fight back against climate change every single day. Part of being a conscious consumer means that when it's time to buy a new item, considering a product that is eco-friendlier than the alternative can actually make a difference. Brightly Shop focuses on easy, effective eco-products designed to help you reduce waste and make smart, planet-focused decisions around your house every day, whether it's stopping food waste with our Veggie Saver bag or eliminating single-use plastic wrap with our bowl covers. Pick from dozens of our favorite eco-swaps that have been thoroughly vetted and tested by our team, including yours truly, who has just done so much testing. <laughs> so head to brightly.eco slash shop and use code GOODTOGETHER to receive 20% off your first order with us. Hello, hello, Good Together listeners. Uh, this is Laura, your host, and um, we're trying something out different today, and that is we are doing a brand new type of podcast episode where it's just me talking to you. So no guest. Um, what we thought would be really helpful would be, you know, maybe I'll come on every every month or so to share some community learnings um, so le- or some learnings that I personally have had in my sustainability journey. Um, be- and the reason why we're doing this is because I, I get questions all the time from people saying, well, you must be the perfect sustainability person. Like, what should I do in this instance? Or, um, you know, gosh, just your house, like, just is it full of, you know, compost bins and eco-friendly everything? And the answer to that is no. Like, the entire reason I started Good Together um, and Brightly is because I wanted people to feel empowered about making small changes every day and that I didn't want them to feel guilty about not being perfect. Because let's face it, I'm not perfect either. That's why we say planet over perfection. So today's episode is focused on um, a, an experience that I've recently gone through over the past year, um, which is becoming a new mom. So if you, even if you're not a new mom yourself, um, I hope you get something out of this episode, um, simply because I guarantee you somebody in your orbit is, you know, expecting a baby, or maybe you're just curious about like the amount of things that come into your life um, once you have a child. Or, you know, and also the other thing I could say too is like, I know there's a lot of pet parents and uh, plant parents out there. And some of these tips aren't going to apply directly to you. But I think the general theme is our culture, actually not just our culture, I think globally, um, when families welcome new additions into their homes, maybe not so much with plants, but bear with me here. um, You know, there's a a big part of showing gratitude and showing love in most cultures is to gift items and is to like 
indulge, I think, in this like uh, consumption cycle and consumption pattern. And so I'm hopeful that by going through a little bit of my journey today, um, specifically around raising um, a new baby, you might learn a little bit. So um, please don't, and this is also not going to be as long as we normally have them. (laughs) So this will be a little bit quicker episode, just me kind of um, sitting here answering questions and kind of going through my journey. Um, So just kind of setting up the story. Um, My first daughter, my first baby is named Brooksley. Uh, We call her B for short, like uh, like the the insect. (laughs) Um, And I had her almost exactly a year ago. So she was born on October 23rd, 2021. Um, And leading up to uh, her birth, I personally felt a ton of I guess, eco-anxiety. Obviously, I was feeling anxious about being a new parent and a mom and all those things. But because of my job as the host of this podcast and the founder of Brightly, I knew that I was going to have to really think critically about the amount of things I was bringing into my home and to try and be as eco-friendly as possible. And the reason why I was getting anxious about that was because as much as I enjoy being eco-friendly and all these things... I also was getting a ton of advice from other moms, which was like, oh my God, you're not going to have any time to do anything. Uh, Disposable diapers are the way to go. Cloth diapers, no way. Um, It's going to take you too long to do it. It's going to be too hard. Like you're going to basically be a frazzled mess um, and none of these things are going to work. Like you're going to want to optimize for the most convenient thing possible. So I was like having major anxiety about that. So I'm going to go through a few things that kind of um, that I ran into um, and maybe, you know, hopefully there's some some uh, advice or like pitfalls maybe you can avoid that I did, but we'll, we'll get into it. So starting off, um, you know, I was trying to think through like cloth diapering versus disposable diapering like I just talked about. And I, a long time ago, I've not been planning to be a mom for a long time, but I remember hearing about the amount of waste um, you know, that d- disposable diapers contributes to, um, actually you can, you can expect to go through a total of anywhere from 2000 to 3000 diapers in the first year of your baby's life. Um, and you know, the estimated, uh, generation of disposable diapers in the U S alone was 4.1 million tons in 2018, um, which was 1.4% to- of, of total waste generated that year. So like, you know, is it the biggest amount of waste ever when we compare it to many other um, forms of waste that we have in our life? No, but I'm also the type of person that when I think about throwing stuff away, I imagine it sitting in a landfill. Um, So from my perspective, I was like, okay, I've got to figure out how to make uh, cloth diapers work. And um, like I was mentioning, like a few years ago, I had actually heard of there's different cloth diapering services that you can use, um, where if you happen to live in a location that is served by one of these services, you can literally take the cloth um, and the stuff that is used and they'll come pick it up and wash it for you. Um, So to me, I'm thinking, okay, maybe that's a really good option. Well, there's a few things why that wasn't going to work for me. Number one, um, if you consider like the amount of driving and transportation and carbon emissions, like, you know, happening for these people to come and pick things up every week, like eh, that started to seem a little bit strange, you know, not great to me. And another thing was the um, service that I was looking at 
offered, um, they're called, pre, I think they're called pre-folds. If I'm not, if cloth diapering, like people don't come after me. Um, I'm pretty sure they're called pre-folds, which is basically the old fashioned style of diaper where you take a cloth, you fold it up and you use like a safety pin, basically. You don't have to use a safety pin anymore. There's different attachments. Now I am the most uncoordinated person I know. It's very hard for me to like button up things and use zippers. I mean, zippers are fine, but like little tasks is what my husband calls them. I'm not good at those. So the fact, like the the um, mental picture of me, number one, learning how to change a baby's diaper. Like, I, I mean, I babysat in college, but it's been a while. Um, dealing with a brand new baby, going through all of the things that everyone's trying to freak me out about, and then learning how to like fold a diaper every time and put it on this baby. I was like, there's literally no way I'm going to do this. So I started doing research, found that there are... Um, a, a bunch of cloth diapering companies out there that make what are called fitted diapers. And so all they are is they're, um, they're, they're just designed to be snapped around the baby's bottom. Um, so all you have to do is use snaps, which is super easy. Um, so that's what I did. Uh, I, I found a company called Assembly. Um, and so there's an outer diaper, which is a cotton, organic cotton um, outer that's made responsibly. You put that on, on your baby. And then there is an outer, um, which is composed of most of the time, um, it's called PUL. It's a polyurethane. Um, I'm trying to think polyurethane. I can't remember the exact, uh, you know, the full acronym here, but it is a um, fabric that has been coated in a material to make it water resistant because when moisture resistant, right? Like you don't want a wet diaper sitting on a baby, um, on your baby's clothing, et cetera. The cool thing about assembly and the cool thing about the PUL that Brightly actually uses in our new um, disposable, I mean, sorry, goodness, not disposable, reusable bowl and pan covers. We're also using PUL. It is made without harmful materials and it's made of recycled plastic bottles, which is super cool. So at any rate, um, I actually went in you and I bought a set of assembly diapers. So I think I'm trying to remember how many, um, a lot of people say like, okay, Remember I said there was that 3,000 diaper, uh, disposable diaper figure happening in the first year? You only need about 24 cloth diapers to get you through that first year. Now, I will say you do typically have to switch sizes through the year. So I think Brooksley, we were in the, the baby, like the really tiny size for about, I want to say six to seven months. She's a pretty big chunker. So I think um, other people would get longer use out of them. So six to seven months in, in size one. And then we had to switch to size two. Um, and I think we own about 15 diapers per size. I think that's kind of what worked for us. Um, so that's what we ended up doing. Um, it was super easy to, to do. Um, were they expensive? Yes. However, Assembly did have a really good promotion going on at the time. And there was a really active Assembly BST buy, sale, buy, sell, trade group going on um, in the uh, Facebook area that I was looking into. So I could have bought them used, which would have been amazing. Um, so anyway, I could have gotten them cheaper. They probably would have been pre-used, but most people take really good care of their diapers. You can, you also, when you get pre-used, pre-loved diapers, you typically want to make sure that they are, um, you know, bleached and all those things anyway. Um, okay. So cleaning them. That's the next thing. Okay. Cleaning of the diapers. This is another thing that kind of gave me the ick, um, as, as Turian, our podcast producer always says, gives, gives her the ick. Um, I was kind of, I'm a germaphobe and I was super worried about 
laundering cloth diapers in my house, which is why I had considered one of those services like I talked about earlier. Well, I actually ended up finding a solution that worked for me. Um, and I'm going to tell you how I justified it. And you may or may not agree with what I did. I want you to tell me, like, <laughs> send us a DM on Instagram, let me know. But um, I actually ended up finding this tiny little washer that was designed to be used in apartments. Um, I used a company called The Laundry Alternative. We'll link to it in the show notes. Um, they have a version of this little mini washer that's specifically designed for cloth diapers. It's about 200 bucks, but I figured, look, I'm going to make the investment in this. And number one, um, I think I will probably have a second kid at some point, uh, probably sometime sort of soon because I'm not getting any younger, but not super soon. Like I got to get, we got to get some other stuff in order here. I'm not about to have two under two and anything like that. Anyway, so number one, when we bought the cloth diapers, I figured I'm going to keep them for two kids. Um, even if I wasn't going to have another kid or if I don't, I will sell them on a BST group. With, thought this, I thought the same thing about this little washer. I thought, you know what? I'm going to get a ton of use out of this thing. Um, it's not going to go um, – it's, it's going to be specifically designed to wash a cloth diaper, so it's going to do a really good job. You can also use your existing uh, washer and dryer, and 99% of people do this. So do not think you have to do it this way. I'm just trying to share what I did so that I'm not coming across as inauthentic. So I got the ick, even though there's totally ways that you can wash your own cloth diapers in your own washer and do it from a really hygienic perspective, so don't worry about it. But I found this little uh, washer, and it's been amazing. It's worked super well. The company, that laundry alternative company, did a great job shipping it to me quickly, giving me great customer support. When something broke, they shipped me out a replacement part. Um, And the other thing that's cool about this little washer is uh, I can wash rags and, like, other kind of, like, reusables in my home that might be kind of dirty and you know maybe previously I didn't feel like they're getting clean enough in my regular washer dryer I can chuck them in there so it's like multi-purpose from that perspective and like I said like I'm totally going to be reselling this guy on Craigslist or you know giving it away in my buy nothing group um when I'm done with it so it worked they work really well they are not designed to be single use and like you know I think it's a great thing that somebody could potentially use if they're going they live in an apartment or they live um, even in a college dorm room, which I know it's probably breaking a ton of rules to use one of those things, but they are able to be hooked up to um, your sink. So you don't even have to have like a normal washer dryer hookup. You can actually connect it to your sink and off you go. So that was my journey, cloth diapering. I also used eco-friendly detergent. Um, There's a lot of debate on like what works better, what doesn't. There are eco-friendly detergents that work. one of the ones that I actually found that is not super eco-friendly that worked really well for us was Tide powder. We use Tide free and clear. Tide is making steps to make their detergent a little bit less, uh, you know, filled with things that we don't love. But um, I also found some great success with with brands like Seventh Generation and Attitude, both of which are super eco-friendly. So those are my tips on cloth diapering. If you are afraid of doing uh, of uh, trying it out, there's there's a few things that I, I would recommend. Number one, get on the cloth diapering Facebook circuit. There's a I'm trying to think of the name of the Facebook group. It's called Fluff Love University. Get in that Facebook group. There are um, like hundreds of women that are dedicated to like making your cloth diapering journey be a success. So they will help you troubleshoot any issues that you might have, like if your diapers aren't getting clean enough, which mine are amazingly clean. They also, in addition to, um, you know, helping with that, they can um, 
tell you what type of routine you should use with your specific washer dryer. They can give you detergent recommendations. It's kind of a fun community thing. Highly recommend it. Um, and for us, we've loved cloth diapering. It's been super easy with that setup that I just described. Um, and Brooksley, like she actually gets diaper rash if I use disposables, even if I'm using, um, because, you know, if we, if we go out, people ask me this a lot. So here's the answer to the question. When we go out, we typically will use a disposable diaper just so that we don't have to be carrying around a soiled cloth diaper. That being said, there are wet bags, assembly sells them. You can do that if you like. Um, but we typically just use a disposable when we go out. Um, but when we use disposables, if we're out or we're traveling or something, that's also, it can be really hard to cloth diaper while you're traveling because you don't have access to your washer dryer setup. Um, we just got back from a trip uh, back home and uh, back home to, to Dallas. That's where I'm from originally. And we were, had uh, the baby in disposables the whole time. She had really, really rough diaper rash. So I actually think that um, the cloth diapers uh, ended up being much better for her skin. She's like super... Um, super sensitive skin. Anyway, I didn't expect to spend 15 minutes to talk about cloth diapers, guys. I got to keep going on my my tips. Um, but if, reu uh, if reusable cloth diapers are not for you, there are more eco-friendly options. You can get um, ones that are, you know, mostly compostable. They're ones that are made with bamboo and wood pulp. We really like Coterie. Um, there's also Diaper. And I've heard of another one called Freestyle. Um, we're most familiar with Coterie. We've tried Diaper. That Coterie is about our favorite. But there's so many options. Okay, moving right along because I just went on a huge rant about cloth diapers and you're probably bored to death. Number two, um, what did I do about all of these stuff that came into my house? So I tried my best. I made a baby registry. Um, I told all of our grandparents um, and everybody else to please not buy the baby clothing. People mean really well, but they never seem to buy the right size or a lot of times like the styles might not be like what you actually want to dress your baby in. Um, I still got a lot of clothes. I still got a lot of stuff. So I like tried my very best and all these things happened. So what did I do? Number one, I, when I was making my registry, I tried to register for stuff that was multi-purpose, but I also tried to give myself a break because you actually do, unfortunately, in my mind, at least if you're trying to like solve a bunch of problems with, with babies, you do need a little bit more stuff than you're probably going to be comfortable with if you're if you if you lean towards more of a minimalist lifestyle. So be okay with that and understand that like a lot of this stuff can be um, gifted to other moms when you're done, donated um, or resold. So there's a there's a huge market for secondhand baby stuff. And the the thing I'm going to mention actually is if even if you don't want to mess with the um, selling of things. There are so many ways that you can donate baby things at um, individual nonprofits close to you. Um, we've done that frequently with clothing um, and even like gently used uh, toys, diapers. Like if you're, if you're using disposable diapers, um, you can donate those if you if the, once your kid grows out of them because they do grow really fast. Um, but the thing I really want to give a shout out to is, is a buy nothing group. And I wish that I would have experienced my buy nothing group earlier on. Um, we just found out about ours when Brooksley was like roughly eight months old. Um, that, that thing is amazing. So wherever you are, you have a buy nothing group close to you. Um, you can go to buynothing.org and look up how to join that group. So you can either join that group through their app, Buy Nothing has an app, or you can use Facebook. I actually use both now, um, but I'm probably more active on the Facebook group. Anyway, um, it is a great place for people to post, um, to give away. So you give things away for free. That's the whole point, Buy Nothing. Um, so you can 
give give away kids toys. You can give away bottles. I mean, there's like all sorts of things that you can just give once you're kind of done with them in your house. Or if you need them, you can ask. So like, we've gotten some amazing toys for for B. Like, she not that she needs a lot of other toys, but she really likes books. And unfortunately, she didn't get gifted a lot of books. She just like, I mean, she's obviously way too young to read them, but she likes to, um, you know, turn the board book pages and stuff. So we got an amazing set of books from our Buy Nothing group. Um, and I actually think they are huge. I'm a huge, huge fan of Buy Nothing. Um, the founder's really great. She and I got coffee um, a few weeks back. We're actually both based here in Seattle. Huge, huge fan. So Buy Nothing group, I could probably talk about that all day long, but regardless of where you are in your life, you're going to want to look up your Buy Nothing group, even if you're not doing it on behalf of a baby. Okay, number three, my third tip, um, and I think I've got four tips that I'll go into today. We could always have more episodes if we needed to, but third tip is actually on baby food and baby feeding and like that whole situation. So, you know, depending on preferences, people like to breastfeed, people may not like to breastfeed. Um, we personally were able to breastfeed for about six months. Um, and then we wanted formula. Um, so when I was out looking for formula options, Again, there's a lot of options out there that are kind of filled with, you know, filler and stuff that's not great for babies. And, you know, it's just kind of like the industrial complex around baby formula is kind of yuck. Um, so I actually ended up going with a brand called Bobby. Um, it's a startup. They Well, it's a startup, but they've been around for about five or six years. Um, they make European grade organic formula and it's amazing. It's also expensive. So I'm here to tell you that like my husband and I had the just conversation and said, I said, look, I can't breastfeed anymore. I really want to make sure that I'm using the highest quality formula possible. Um, so that's the what we ended up doing. Um, if you can't, if if you can't afford Bobby or anything like that, look for um, you know the most clean formula that you can get out there, and you're going to be golden. And you know what? Even if you can't, your baby's still going to be fine. Um, I'm here. There's like no mom shaming or parent shaming allowed <laughs> in our house or really on Brightly or anything like that. So you do the best that you can. But for us, we really, we loved Bobby. Um, so recommend them. Um, there's also a few other brands out there. I think a new one's called By Heart. So we haven't had a chance to try that. Um, Thrive Market. Um, actually, now let's talk about going, moving past formula. So once your baby... I mean, gosh, I'm trying to think. Probably about six months old, you can start um, giving them purees. I believe it's six months old. Uh, yeah, giving them purees and, you know, trying to start getting them to eat um, things other, well, supplementing their diet, I suppose, right? Like up until a year old, they're supposed to be getting the bulk of their calories from either breast milk or formula. Um, so again, I'm not a pediatrician. Please make sure you're checking everything with your doctor. Please do not take my advice as medical advice, um, but that is typically the guidance that is given. And so we started Brooksley on baby-led weaning when she was about six-ish months old, um, which means we we wanted her to just try and, you know, experience, you know, big people food, as it were. Um, so we started to make purees, and I'm a huge fan of this little device called the Biba. I think it's Biba or Beba. It's, it's a French company, um, and it, they make this little device called the Baby Cook. Again another kind of expensive gadget that I would say you could totally find used for much less. It, all it is is a little steamer, but it's super, super um, convenient. What you do is you put vegetables, fruit, whatever you need to in there, put it into the steamer basket, press a button, it steams the food, and then when the food is done, you actually can blend it up in the same device. So it's like a little... We said it made hot smoothies for the baby, which is hilarious, which is basically what puree is. But yeah, we, we basically used the heck out of that thing. And the reason why I mention that is because 
I found this little device to be like life-changing in terms of helping my husband and I with food waste. So any like fruits and vegetables that you have on hand that need to be used up can just be made into a little puree with this device. We still do it for Brooksley. So like she's, she has actually a lot of teeth for her age now. Um, but we still make like little purees for her with food, with like odds and ends of fruits and vegetables that we were going to, that were going to potentially go bad. Um, so my, my system here was I basically would take, you know, take the fruits and veggies, blend them up, um, or sorry, steam them, blend them up. And then I actually would freeze the, um, freeze the little portions of puree that I made in a little silicone muffin, uh, muffin, it's not a pan. It's basically the equivalent of a pan though. It's, it looks like a muffin pan, but it's made of silicone. We actually saw it on Brightly. Um, Silpat makes it. We love it. So we'll, we'll include that in the show notes. But I was obsessed with this. I'd blend everything up, put it in um, each little individual little um, muffin molds into the freezer. It would go. Once they were frozen, I'd pop it back out. And I'd just put all those little pucks, those new frozen pucks, in a stasher bag and put it in the freezer again. So basically, I had all these ready-to-go little pucks, almost if you want to visualize it, almost like little popsicles, um, but they were like kind of flat because imagine what a muffin mold would look like if you filled it with liquid that never rose, right? Kind of a flat little hockey puck. Amazing. So then when it was time for the baby to eat, and we still do this, um, we would grab what we um, made previously, put it in the microwave and defrost it. So there we go. Um, the other reason that I, I like to mention this in addition to helping it, you know, helping us cut down food waste is like, you know, there's so many benefits to making your own baby food. I mean, you know, number one, you're in control of what's going into into the food. So you can buy the highest quality, organic, local fruits and veggies, whatever you want. Um, you can also uh, make sure that these are, you know, uh, tastes and textures and things that you want your baby to experience. So there's a ton of ready-made uh, purees. We've all seen them on the shelf. And there's also a lot of great organic options, um, a lot of pouches out there that are using less waste and in, um, in their packaging. So I commend them. However, they are pretty expensive. Like the organic ones I find are usually around $2 a piece, which is pretty dang expensive for like a serving slash a serving and a half. Um, and depending on where you are, you might not have a huge variety. And so one thing that we were trying to get with baby led weaning um, was, you know, Baby led weaning also um, emphasizes giving your baby different, uh, like the ability to grab things. So we'd make her the purees. We'd also like steam carrots and, and get food to be really soft where she could grab it and kind of gum it. Um, but I say all of this because we wanted to expose her to as many allergens and, um, you know, just different tastes and textures as early on as we could to what we hope would actually, number one, like, prevent allergies and prevent um, pickiness in the future. Again, I'm not a uh, pediatrician. Please do not take this as medical advice. Please check with your doctor before starting any of this kind of stuff. Um, but we found it to be a very fun thing to do. The jury's still out on whether or not it's actually going to prevent her from being a really picky toddler or prevent her to have from having food allergies. Um, but she doesn't but right now she eats she, broccoli is one of her favorite foods, like just like full heads of broccoli um, that we steam. And she, knock on wood, does not have any prevalent food allergies. But again, this is just kind of based on conjecture um, and, and, and something that we wanted to do as parents. The other thing is once you become a parent, you get a ton of advice. You do you. You. 
collect information and advice from wherever you want and turn it into your own way of parenting. Okay, really, um, and actually, before I get to my last tip, highly recommend anything by um, the author named Emily Oster. Um, she writes a book called Crib Sheet. There's also, I'm trying to remember what the other one's called. Anyway, Emily Oster, O-S-T-E-R, um, is a data scientist and statistician, statistician, did I say that right? Anyway, um, who has compiled a lot of really interesting uh, data-driven advice on parenting and raising a baby. So she, I really liked her because she basically would take myths. She's kind of does what we do on this podcast. She does a lot of myth busting, but then she compares it with data um, and, and talks about it from that point. So highly recommend reading her stuff. Okay. Very last tip, um, because this one is near and dear to my heart. So like I said earlier, we try to get people to not, um, not give gift the baby a lot of clothing, uh, right? Like to, to recap, a lot of times it doesn't fit because babies come in all shapes and sizes. Brooksley's a little bit of a chunk. And so oftentimes like her, you know, she might be like actually six months old, but she only fits into nine month clothes or whatever. So like that's hard. Each brand has wildly different sizing. So it's kind of hard to gift clothing. Um, the other thing was we actually didn't wear a ton of different clothing. What we ended up doing is wearing, um, they're called like foot, footies or zip rompers that were actually made out of bamboo. So we really, I got obsessed with this brand called Little Sleepies. They're great. There are a lot of bamboo clothing companies out there. Um, but the reason why I wanted to talk about that is like, number one, a lot of those um, zip zip romper type clothings, um, they're, they're designed to be pajamas, but they, you can kind of wear them all the time. So like, they're really easy to change diapers with. Um, you can put, throw a sweater on them and it's like not just pajamas, it's a little outfit. And so I was like kind of obsessed with not buying her like little baby jeans because she's going to grow out of them. And then what happens? Like I was more focused on buying some of these um, bamboo baby zip rompers because they lasted a lot longer. And bamboo as a material is actually really, um, is really kind to baby's skin. However, the reason why I wanted to bring this up, in addition to I think it's a pretty good hack, um, is there's a big debate about bamboo versus cotton. And like, there's a lot of people out there saying like, oh, bamboo is really eco-friendly. And it's like, a, it's a big, um, you know, selling point for a lot of these pajamas. We've actually done quite a few episodes here at Good Together about bamboo. So um, specifically about bamboo sheets, but we've talked to Attitude, we've talked to Sheets and Giggles. Make sure you, you check out some of those older episodes. We'll link to that in the show notes. Um, but the TLDR is that bamboo is not a magical material. It does still, um, you know, it's it's not a perfect eco-friendly material, um, but it is typically better than cotton, um, even organic cotton. Um, you know, cotton globally, um, not 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 organic, normal cotton globally represents about 10% of pesticide use and 25% of insecticide use around the world. So that's, you know, obviously the use of chemical fertilizers and mass uh, like that and pesticides typically are going to have a negative impact on the environment. And then this is according to the World Wildlife Fund. Um, so the other thing is cotton cultivation can often require the clearing of land. Um, and it's just, there's a lot of water involved. So cotton in general, as much as we all like it, um, is rather problematic. Now, organic cotton is better, right? Because they're not using, um, you know, the pesticides and chemicals um, and a lot of organic cotton, not all of it, um, is using less water um, than conventional cotton cultivation. So it's a better option. Recommend that. Now, let's talk about bamboo and let's talk about another material, modal. So 
bamboo, if it is grown under ethical eco-friendly conditions, can be a really, really solid, great material um, because bamboo is a regenerative plant. Um, it doesn't often require like this land clearing like we're talking about. Um, and it, you know, it it is a really soft, like great, um, you know, uh, material. Now, bamboo viscose is most of the time what is being made with these baby pajamas and things like that. And unfortunately, that actually goes undergoes like a really, really extensive chemically, um, sorry, intensive chemical process that actually is not good for the environment and can result in water pollution, et cetera. So you'll see, oh, bamboo is so eco-friendly and it, and it can be, um, but we're, we're trying to educate you a little bit and say like, look, just, just ask a few questions, understand a little bit how, about how it's produced. There's another material out there that's really similar to bamboo, and it's called modal. Um, and it's actually made from birch tree fibers, um, different than bamboo. Um, and I actually got so excited about modal because it feels really similar um, to bamboo. And it's got similar, like, you know, uh, really nice. It's super soft. It's 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 um, really gentle on skin. It's it's insulating and but also cooling. Just love, I love these eco-friendly, eco-friendlier materials. Um but modal for me is really interesting. And I actually started like as a total side hustle, um, a little baby pajama company um, because I wanted more pajamas out of modal. And so the Good Together and Brightly team totally think I'm a crazy person. But on nights and weekends, you can find me over here designing baby pajamas and just having fun with it. So for me, it's more of a creative outlet. Um, I've gotten to know a lot of moms that way. I'm not making the pajamas myself. I'm working with an ethical uh, manufacturer. But for me, it's been so, as a textile nerd, if you've listened to past episodes, you know I'm like obsessed with textiles. It's been like so cool to like actually make things myself. So I love it. So that brand um, is my my side hustle, side side hustle probably. It's called Kind Thing. Um, and we'll link to that in, in the show notes as well. But um interesting for me as a consumer and then you know as somebody going in and trying to create some of these pajamas like trying to think through what the most sustainable option for my kiddo was and again right kids are growing quick um they you don't want to spend a ton of money on anything for them um because they grow out of them whether we're talking about a toy a pajama etc so as long as you can get this mindset um you know and, and get get really excited about look I'm not going to do everything perfectly. I'm going to have way too much stuff because babies, unfortunately, require a ton of stuff. Have you ever seen somebody like pack a diaper bag? It's like full of crap and you can't leave your house without it. And it's not just people being silly. Like you actually do need a lot of stuff in a diaper bag. But putting putting that, um, putting yourself in that mind frame and then saying there are so many great ways to reuse, re-gift, et cetera, a lot of these items that I'm going to try my very best to not overconsume. I'm going to like try and find maybe outfits that last longer that are more multi-purpose or maybe I'm going to use wooden toys instead of plastic because wooden toys obviously um you know are a bit better than plastic, right? Like for many reasons and they last longer, so all those things. Maybe I'm going to make some of those choices when I myself go out to buy things. But for everything else, why don't I look at my buy nothing group? Why don't I um you know really challenge my you know, my family members and my friends who want to gift, like challenge them to purchase things off registries if possible, if they're able to, so that, you know, we can make sure that we're only bringing stuff into the house that we really think we're going to get a lot of use out of. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're just embarking on this journey yourself, or maybe your your family member, I know so many people who have like brothers and sisters that are, um, you know, about to be parents. So the, we're, we're listening, uh, we've got some uh, new aunties and uncles listening, God, godparents, et cetera. Um, just know it's a really crazy time. 
There's a lot of things going on. The last thing you wanna do is drive yourself crazy trying to be the most eco-friendly parent ever. So um, hopefully these tips are helpful. I also hope you liked this type of episode. I realized it was a bit niche. Um, so if you're not super into parenting or you know, you're not, you don't know anybody going through it, it might not have been as specific to your life cycle, but I promise this is what we're not gonna be focusing on this all the time. So you know, next next month we'll do another another episode of me, um, you know, debunking, um, you know, some some more uh, sustainability myths. We'll we'll bring in questions from the community, and we'll go through it together. So don't forget to check out the show notes. Um, send us a DM or an email. Let us know if you liked this episode, um, and thanks so much for joining us. joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social, where I know you can find us at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together. So have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.